finally got it written this week. Um, the letter of recommendation that somebody had asked me to write for them, finally completed it and got it off to them. As I serve in my role as a pastor, sometimes I have the opportunity to write those kinds of letters. People will ask me for a letter of recommendation. Maybe it's uh, a student who would like to apply for a scholarship, or it's a teen who wants to serve as a camp counselor, or it's a colleague, and they're enrolling in a continuing education program. And all those different entities, they, they might ask uh, some specific questions when they think about a letter of recommendation uh, that they want to receive. They might ask about some, some specific details, but more often, generally, they're just interested in the character of the person about whom you're writing. Their consistent character. What, what do they show, what do they demonstrate about themselves time after time, over and over again, about their character that you have observed and you have witnessed as you have gotten to know that person? You know, what are the, the things about their work ethic or their integrity that are going to rise to the top, that are going to promote them and push them forward and, and make them an excellent candidate that, that are going to help them to rise above all of the rest of the applicants that are looking at this job to elevate them. What's unique about their character and their ethic? And when I write those kinds of letters then, sometimes I get a little self-conscious about my writing because I want to make sure that I do a good job. I, I want to make sure that I succinctly and yet fully and completely give a positive picture of that person and their personality, their, their character. And I do want to elevate them and, and I highlight the things that are important about them. Now, I've also had letters of recommendation written about me. Uh, maybe you have too. Do you ever get nervous when you ask somebody to write one of those letters? Uh, after you've maybe asked them, and maybe it's taken them a while to get back to you, do you maybe wonder if you chose the right person to write that letter of recommendation for you? And, and do you get a little fearful that maybe they're going to highlight and elevates the traits and the habits that you know you have that you really don't want exposed. You really don't want those elevated. What is your consistent character? The character that you demonstrate time after time after time and that somebody would write about you in a letter of recommendation. And, and what if, what if, that was a letter of recommendation to God. Today, the Bible reads like a letter of recommendation. Or Nehemiah chapter 9. Have you spent much time in the book of Nehemiah? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, Nehemiah and his history, the, the account of his own life, his biography, is pretty interesting. We've kind of walked through the history of God's people a bit in this sermon series, and 
So you know that throughout time in history, because of the rebellion, because of the idolatry of both people and kings, God, with bitter remorse, had allowed foreign powers to come in and conquer his people, conquer their homeland and and destroy even the city and the temple where he said that he would put his own name. And those foreign powers, the Babylonians, they they carted people off into captivity, took them away from their homeland. And yet God did not abandon his people completely. In fact, he worked through history. And so when the Persians overtook the Babylonians and they became the new world superpower of the time, and a king named Cyrus came to power, God actually moved Cyrus to send Jewish people back to their homeland, back to Israel, back to Jerusalem, and and he actually encouraged them, wanted them, gave them gifts in order for them to be able to do it, to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. That building program had stalled out several times. It never really was fully completed. And Nehemiah was actually a Jewish person who stayed and remained in the land of their captivity over in the area of Babylon. And he had actually risen to a very prominent place in the leadership of the the Persians. He was the cupbearer to the king. And that very prominent position that he had, it allowed him to make a request. That he would go back and he would investigate, he would see the status of this building project in Jerusalem. And when Nehemiah got there, his heart was broken. That building project, it it had stalled out. It wasn't completed. The people from the surrounding ethnic groups that were around that area, they weren't too happy that the Jews were back and that they were in their homeland and rebuilding their capital city. And so they tried everything that they possibly could, intimidation, violence, rhetoric, to keep them from completing the project. And so Nehemiah asked if he would be able to oversee it and bring it to completion. And after Nehemiah then worked to complete that building project, the walls around Jerusalem, as they celebrated that feat, then Nehemiah teamed up with a priest named Ezra, and they began to rebuild the spiritual lives of the people. And so if you were to read in Nehemiah chapter 8, you would see how all the priests and Levites, they read from the book of the law, God's Old Testament, and they, and they explained it to all the people who had all gathered around in Jerusalem. And as the people, through that explanation, that teaching, they understood just how far they had gone away from God, away from his word. They were collectively brought to tears to grief and mourning. And yet Nehemiah said to them, this is in chapter 8, verse 10, Nehemiah said to them, don't grieve. 
This day is holy to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that thought, that motivated, compelled the people then to to join in worship and praise to their God. And so in chapter 9, they joined in these words of praise, and the leaders spoke the words that we have written. This is a speech that recounted the history of God's interaction with his people. And so we're going to read that section from Nehemiah chapter 9 now. And as we read it, I want you to listen for the consistent character that's demonstrated. The consistent character that's demonstrated by the people and that demonstrated by God. And what rises to the top? What are the examples that are given? What are the unique things that you hear? And I would encourage you to to underline those phrases that specifically highlight the character of the people and maybe put, put a star by those phrases that specifically highlight God's character. We're going to walk through and read from Nehemiah chapter 9. So beginning in the middle of that speech, they they begin to say, you, this is God, they're they're speaking to God and said, you saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground, but you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way they were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave them commands, decrees, and laws through your servant Moses. In their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven, and in their thirst, you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them. Even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Or when they committed awful blasphemies because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirits to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. For forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. You gave them kingdoms and nations, allotting to them even the remotest frontiers. They took over the country of Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the country of Og, king of Bashan. You made their children as numerous as the stars in the sky, and you brought them into the land that you told their parents to enter and possess. 
Their children went in and took possession of the land. You subdued before them the Canaanites who lived in the land. You gave the Canaanites into their hands along with their kings and the peoples of the land to deal with them as they pleased. They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of houses filled with all kinds of good things. Wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. But they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. They committed awful blasphemies. So you delivered them into the hands of their enemies who oppressed them. But when they were oppressed, they cried out to you. From heaven you heard them, and in your great compassion you gave them deliverers who rescued them from the hand of their enemies. But as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven, and in your compassion you delivered them time after time. You warned them in order to turn them back to your law, but they became arrogant and disobeyed your commands. They sinned against your ordinance of which you said the person who obeys them will live by them. Stubbornly they turned their backs on you, became stiff-necked, and refused to listen. For many years you were patient with them. By your spirit you warned them through your prophets, yet they paid no attention. So you gave them into the hands of the neighboring peoples. But in your great mercy you did not put an end to them or abandon them. For you are a gracious and merciful God. What character became consistent among the people? Arrogance, stubbornness, rebellion, evil, violence, Blasphemy, disobedient, quite the candidates, right? Would you uh, give them the job, admit them into, into your program? And as we listen to the recounting of the history of God's people and, and we see the consistent character with which they lived, Would our consistent character be any different? Would different things be highlighted in our life? Or would there be rebellion and sin and disobedience and arrogance and stubbornness there too? And yet, what consistent character was demonstrated by God? He's gracious, compassionate, merciful. Verse 28 says, In his compassion, God delivered them time after time. Time after time, God demonstrated his consistent compassion, his marvelous mercy, and his unfailing faithfulness. Time after time, 
He does not desert his people. This is his character. Compassion, mercy, faithfulness, forgiveness. This is who he is always. And it's because of Jesus. Though his name isn't mentioned once in that entire speech, you can see Jesus everywhere there. God is faithful to all of these promises and because he's faithful to his greatest promise, the promise of a Savior. Uh, without Jesus, God wouldn't have done any of the things that he did for his people. And so if we don't see Jesus here, then we can't expect any compassion or any mercy from God, let alone consistent compassion and, and marvelous mercy. God would have no reason to be faithful in any of this if he wasn't going to be faithful in his promise of a Savior. That Savior who would crush our greatest enemy, Satan, and God delivered on that promise. God has been faithful. And so I want to encourage you to see Jesus. No matter what your letter might read like, no matter what the, the history and the recounting of your life might sound like, Jesus is there too. God will be present in that too. He will be present with his mercy, his compassion, and his faithfulness. And so even if, if your history were to say, yeah, when I was a young child and I was arrogant and selfish and I always wanted my way and I bickered and I argued with my siblings, God continued to speak with compassion and mercy. And if your history were to say, when, when I was a young man and, and I allowed alcohol to consume my life, rather than something I consumed in moderation, God consumed you with his mercy. As you got into your middle years, as you matured and you became a parent, and if you struggled to give up your autonomy so that you could care for this precious gift that God had placed into your hands, God sent His Spirit to give you wisdom and guidance and teach and lead you to care for that precious soul. And as you got a little older, if, if your mind started to focus largely on retirement because it was looming ahead and and so you you tightened your grip on your own finances and you became less than generous less than joyful in such generosity god remained generous with his mercy and his love and as you advanced into those elder years and maybe became bitter and, and spiteful, cursed and blasphemed God because he kept you here on this earth. When you were suffering, God remained there by your side, unfailing in his faithfulness, 
giving you mercy piece by piece every day. And finally, God will carry you to your heavenly home where there will be no more crying and no more pain. And for any of those years where you abandoned God's instructions, God's laws, and you went your own way, God, he didn't abandon you. He waited patiently. He called you back to himself, drew you to himself with his word. He draws you still. And if there's been years where you've just lived unaware of God's presence with his mercy and his compassion, his unfailing faithfulness, still he's been there. Throughout your history, he's been right there. And he calls you now to see it and to see Jesus and all that Jesus means for you. He spoke through his word. He served you with that consistent compassion, that marvelous mercy and his unfailing faithfulness. That's what his letter of recommendation says. And you can trust this letter because it is signed and sealed by the blood of Jesus. Every act of mercy, every time that God acted with his compassion, it pointed to his ultimate act of mercy and compassion that came in the gift of his own dear son, the gift that we are so excited to celebrate in just a couple weeks. And God's letter is many more pages than what I read and shared with you today. It's the entirety of Scripture, the entire Bible, Old and New Testament, and they all point consistently to Jesus. They elevate and highlight Jesus above all the rest, above every other name, because the name of Jesus is the name by which you are saved. Jesus descended to this earth to be the fullest display of God's mercy and compassion He truly represented God's character to us. And he was consistent. He was faithful. He was marvelous in his mercy. And so now today, through his word, God continues to speak to you from heaven. God sustains you with that word that points to Jesus, the very bread of life. And in Jesus, in his great compassion, God has delivered you. He has rescued you time after time. And he will again, time after time, time after time. In Jesus, you are able to revel in God's great promises. And I want you to think about that question I asked you at the beginning, you know, You ever get fearful and nervous about who might be writing your letter of recommendation? Well, what if that letter of recommendation was to God? You don't have to be fearful or nervous because Jesus is the one who writes that letter. And as Jesus writes that letter, he doesn't point to your accomplishments, your successes, your achievements. He points to his. He points to your faith and your trust in all that he has done for you as he recommends you as a a candidate for God's holy family, he points to his life, his holy and righteous character that is now your own. Wherever you go, whenever it might be, because of Jesus, 
God will continually display his character. That he is consistently compassionate. Marvelous marvelous in his mercy and unfailing in his faithfulness. Amen? Amen. Amen.